Hello and welcome to Digital Photo Magazine's weekly podcast, covering everything you need to know about the world of digital photography. My name is Matty Graham, I'm manager and editor of the magazine, and joining me today, as always, is our technical editor, Matt Higgs. You alright, man? Yes, not too bad. Now, Higgsy, I know you finally recovered off Fort Aquino. <laughs> yeah, lots of sleep. <laughs> yeah, but what else have you been up to over the last seven days? Um, the, 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 <laughs> when I can get my words out. The you needed that sleep, that's why. <laughs> I, did, I think I need a bit more, apparently. Um... Yeah, I mean, the main thing I, I've kind of been doing this week is um, while waiting to fly back from Photokina, I took a few images in Cologne Airport. Um, the sun was setting, so there was some really nice colour in the sky. I took some nice kind of like silhouette shots. Silhouette! I've used that word before and it's definitely not a word. It, it's a um, new photographic term <laughs> that, that we're going to own. I've taken some silhouette shots of, uh, of the people kind of sat there waiting for their planes, like looking out the window at the sunset and stuff like that. So I've kind of been processing them up and um, having a bit of a play around with them and yeah uh, there's, there's some quite nice shots if I can say so myself well I've seen these shots I think they're really really cool um, and I think we should share them on our Facebook uh, page yeah go for so, it so uh, once, once this podcast goes live you'll be able to head to facebook.com forward slash digital photo UK and see these uh, these amazing shots thing is though it asks a question doesn't it mm. um I never felt really 100% comfortable taking pictures in airports. Yeah, I know what you mean. I was kind of like checking over my shoulder to see if any security were going to creep up on me or anything like that. <laughs> I, think, I think different airports have different rules. Uh, but what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, when you go into like kind of the, the passport check areas and stuff like that, you know, you often see the signs, don't you? You know, yeah. no phones, no cameras and all these Oh, God, yeah. I've never seen Symbols with there. big red crosses, you know, yeah. over them. And, uh, but... I don't know, I think kind of waiting in a lobby or whatever, people are using their phones, people, you know, walking around, grabbing a coffee and stuff, you know, it's it's no different, I mean, I know it's private property, but it's no different really to street photography or anything, is it? Exactly, and the, it's a great shame as well, because um, airports are such beautiful buildings, mm, mm. you know, they spend so, so much money on these, architecture, um, what was the best airport you've been in? The, be- the best airport I've been in? Ooh, um... I honestly don't know. That's good. That's a good question. I've been in some strange ones. Um, I'm not sure they're the best, but I've been in a few um, kind of regional airports before, where you literally get off the plane, walk through one little glass box, and that's it. You're out on the other side, and you think, "What? That was an airport?" Yeah. I mean, we're used to places like you know Heathrow and stuff like which are these massive, massive places. Uh, best airport though. I don't, I don't know. I have to agree. I, when I uh, went to uh, Norway mm. in April, God, it seems like a long time ago now. Um, starting off the journey, it stands in the UK which is you know this massive airport all this corporate branding yep. and we flew to Oslo and there was less corporate branding and sort of a, a more chilled out vibe when, when we finally got to Lofoden it was just basically one hall with a coffee machine one smiling member of staff and that yep. was about it And uh, but you know photographic journeys usually start at airports so it's nice to sort of get a memory of that and you know sort of maybe snap a, a few frames of the architecture and all the of that the thing is I think if you you know you're taking all your, your camera gear with you to any of these places you know it's, it's going to be in your hand luggage you don't really want to just stick it in your in your baggage that you check in because you know as we all know those uh, suitcases and stuff get thrown around quite a bit so if you've got a camera close to hand and you're waiting for a flight and you've got a couple of hours why not you know, use it as an opportunity to uh, to create a bit of a photo project, and you know, take a few shots while you're there and kill the time. I mean, that that was my kind of take on it. Anyway, uh, maybe someone will come and tell me that I shouldn't be doing that otherwise. Do, <laughs> do you know what? I'm really pleased you mentioned that. We we, we usually make notes about this uh, this podcast, so we can have a, a bit of sort of a list of the content. But it's nice to freestyle as well. And one of the things you mentioned there was uh, carrying kit around mm. airports and on your travels as well. And um, 
one of the things I've always been too scared to do is leave kit uh, in a bag that is put in the hold that you mm. check in mm. because you know that's going to go for a roller coaster ride. It's going to tumble down some stairs. Yeah, it's just not worth it. No. But if you've got loads and loads of kit and you're getting hassled over your hand luggage, one cool tip that I've learned over the years is simply take a couple of lenses out and put them in your jacket. Mm. So that you know you you um, get some weight off because you know lenses can be heavy old things. You know yeah. my Sigma fifty mil one point four art lens is is really heavy, um, and but you know you slip it into a sort of baggy coat jacket and you're absolutely fine. I, I think in fairness, you know most even you know big camera backpacks aren't the same size as some of the kind of little wheel on pull along suitcases that some people kind of bring on as hand luggage and cram into those overhead lockers anyway. So, you know, I think unless you're taking studio kits or, you know, perhaps uh, longer wildlife lenses and, you know, telephoto primes and stuff like that, you know, I, I think it's fine. I think, you know, just cram up your rucksack, you know, get your camera rucksack, fill it all. You can still cram a jacket in there or whatever, you know, take that on as your hand luggage and just check your clothes in as normal and stuff. Good stuff. Well, if you're heading off to an airport, you've got some uh, solid advice there. Um, so this week, I'd be preparing to head out into the countryside and shoot some deer. Uh, and by shoot some deer, I mean take pictures. Of course. Not, of course. you know, take a <laughs> rifle onto private property. No, we don't want any hassle from the police in, uh, in that respect. Um, so here in the UK, rutting season is just beginning. And this is when the deer are at their most active, fighting and, well, you know, doing the things that adult deer <laughs> love to do. Um so kit-wise, I'm going to go for my Canon 7D Mark II, and I've got in uh, a Canon 70-200 2.8 lens. Perhaps I might take my 1.4 converter, which will knock back the maximum aperture of uh, the lens to f4. Mm. I mean, that's one of the things that people don't realise with converters, is that, yes, they give you an extended uh, focal length, but you're giving away some of your light, some of your f-stops, is a trade-off. Yeah. Uh, 1.4, it would be uh, f4, as I mentioned. A two-times converter would take it up to f5.6, I believe. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, if I can get away with it, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with the uh, 2.8 rather using the... I think the one of the there. interesting things about the, the gear that you're going to be taking along there as well is that 200mm isn't actually that long, is it, really? I mean, that's a, that's a focal length that many of us will have kind of uh, either as part of, like, some some zoom lens. It might be at the, you know, the long end of a zoom or, yeah. you know, like you, many people will have a 70-200, but they're not perhaps what some people would class as wildlife lenses sure. you know, the, the ones that go up to more like 600mm or 500mm yeah. or you know even 400 uh, 300 but um, you know with with deer particularly in kind of like managed parks and stuff um, which I know we've got a few about r around by us and you yeah. know places like Richmond and um, stuff like that it's quite surprising actually how close you can get to these deer and actually frame filling shots don't always need a 600mm lens yes 600mm lens Um 200mm is often actually, you know, like you've selected, more than enough. Um, but I think a lot of people don't realise that. You know, you see these fantastic shots of deer and you think, oh, need all this super expensive, super long gear to get anything like that. And it's not always the case. No, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, one of the things you do have to be careful of, you, you can get close, but not too close, mm. because, you, you know, these are wild animals at the end of the day. And I'm heading there tomorrow with Dan, who's one of our freelance writers. And I thought, um, you know, do I need to take any precautions about sort of getting, you know, if the, if the deer turn on us or anything like that? And I thought, no, I don't. I just need to outrun Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so is your tip for this, take someone that's perhaps not quite as fast as you. Exactly. And you'll be fine. Yeah, someone who's yeah. a little out of shape. <laughs> 
<laughs> and she'll be absolutely fine. No, I'm I kidding. Dan doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So last week we promised you we dedicate this episode to Kit. We've talked about a lot of Kit already. And not just normal Kit, but kit, uh, gear that you could be used as DIY photo kit. An equipment hack, if you will. So photo gear that isn't photo gear that can be used as photo gear. So let's face it, you do tend to pay a premium for anything that is photo related. Uh, point in the case would be... Um, we were somewhere uh, at a lunchtime, weren't we, Hicks? Mm. And I got a, a fishing tackle wallet for 20p from a sale. Uh, and I thought this would be really good for uh, keeping all my memory cards dry and protected and all that sort of stuff. So I've come up with a list. Another top 10. It's okay. another Matty top 10. <laughs> you're getting good at these. Yeah. And this is my list of top photo hacks. So you're going to have to indulge me uh, for this a little bit, Hicksy. And if you want to chuck in some of your own as I... Uh, Go down the list. Feel absolutely f- uh, free to do that. Okay. So I'm going to start off with uh, sweet wrappers. Okay. You know, so you know the coloured sweet wrappers you get, and I'm not going to name the uh, the company. Yeah. But you yeah. know which ones I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. Um, rather than just chucking them away once you've once you've scoffed the chocolate. Yeah. These uh, little wrappers can be used as uh, really good and effective uh, flash gels. Flash gels aren't the most expensive things, but they're not cheap either. Yeah. And. Um, all you need to do is stretch these things over the flash head and they'll add that nice colour cast to, you know, if you're shooting portraits or things like Some that. Some more creative lighting. Like, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a good um, and just to sort of extend that tip as well, if you want a really heavy colour cast, double up and use two or three of the same colour. And so you can buy two free boxes of chocolates as well. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Essentially, you, you get brilliant light, but you also get diabetes. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, next one is a welder's glass. So 10-stop filters, again, can cost a lot of money. Whereas a sheet of welder's glass that will cost less than a pound. I mean, that is, that's insane value, isn't it? And yes, it will have, um, you know, quite an unnatural colour cast. But if you're shooting in mono, you know, if you want the final image to be mono rather, mm. all you need to do is correct that in Lightroom or Photoshop. So... Yeah, that that could save quite a lot of cash, and you can get the, get welders glass from like B and Q and stuff like that, can't you? That's right. Yeah, um, or any DIY store. I mean, <laughs> and, and the thing is, you know, so sweet wrappers and welders glass. You've also you've already got you know some cool kit there, and it's cost you less than you know a couple of quid. Right, what's, what's your number three? So, foam insulation. So while you're okay. at the DIY shop, pick up some foam insulation. And this could be used in the studio to bounce light around. Mm. It's really cheap. And, um, you know, photographers spend a lot of money using flags and things like that. This does the same job. It's really versatile. And it has all manner of different uses. Something else it could be used for as well. I wanted to shoot um, a macro shot of a wasp. You know, we found a, a dead wasp and um, we put it on the end of a, uh, a pin. Yeah. And obviously it wouldn't stand up on uh, a normal sort of surface. So I got a bit of this foam insulation and stuck the pin into the foam insulation. So it just held held it upright. I could get that sort of magical macro shot of the wasp. Um, so it has, you know, all this stuff has... Many, many uses. Costs hardly anything. Really useful. Yeah. So next up, a perennial useful prop, the bungee cord. <laughs> this is good for secu- uh, securing kit. You know, Think of uh, if you want to attach your flash gun to a tree branch. So maybe you can do a high up sort of flash shot. Uh, so it, it goes almost directly down on your subject. Yeah. Bungees are great for this. Also, you know, camera bags often have loops and attachments for tripods. But there's nothing better than a bungee cord to keep that tripod securely attached to your bag. Okay, I'm on to number five now. I think we've talked about this one in the podcast before. Mm. Silica gel. 
We did, we did. So it comes in your uh, trainer shoe boxes. Don't chuck it out. Put it in your camera bag. It will soak up any moisture if you've been out, especially these days, you know, now that summer's gone, mm. uh, unless you're listening to this in the southern hemisphere and spring has just arrived. Good for you. Uh, next one, airline luggage. So we talked about this earlier in the podcast, and I've had all manner of experiences going through um, airports. Um, you know those uh, suitcases on wheels you were talking about? Yeah. They're not yeah. just for transporting your your finely uh, tailored suits from uh, trade show to trade show, Higgsy. <laughs> uh, they can also be used to um, you know, chuck in some light stands, chuck in uh, your, your flashlighting as well. And then when you're on location, you don't have to... Because um, tripods and light stands are the worst things to carry, aren't they? Because mm. if you have two or three of them, you don't have two or three hands. Uh, you have uh, three hands around there. And they will fall out. They'll be hard to carry. St- stuff them into one of these suitcases and you could drag them even across sort of rougher ground. See, I've got a slightly alternative uh, solution to Go that. for it. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I've had the same problem where, you know, you buy, buy light stands and you, you're doing some on-location shooting Yeah. Um, and, you know, it can be a bit of a struggle to carry them all. So my solution to that is that I've been using, um, you know, like the folding camping chairs that you get? Yes, you know the bags that they come in? Yes. They're also like the perfect size for, for lighting stands. So I just leave the folding chair at home. Obviously, don't need that on a shoot. Uh, stick the lighting stands in there. And it's actually the perfect size for that. And it's got a nice shoulder strap that I can put it on my back. And uh, it, it does the job. So Brilliant. there you go. There's there's my uh, piece of photo gear that's not photo gear that works as photo gear or whatever you described it as. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, okay, moving on. So a coffee cup. If you're shooting on a really sunny day, uh, it's not that sunny today in uh, the UK, but if it is sunny, uh, you, you can get a lot of flare on the front element. And this, you know, shows up as speculative sort of highlights. It can be used creatively, but some people just don't want it. So all you need to do is if you uh, bring along a, a, you know, a pen knife, something like that, simply cut the bottom out of a coffee cup, make sure there's no coffee in it at the time, that goes without saying, and then slide it over your lens. And this will act as a DIY lens hood. And it'll co- you know, and you can have a cup of coffee as well. Keep you going on the shoot. Sounds like a good idea to me. Okay, another lighting tip. So, um, a milk bottle diffuser. So we know that using on-camera flash can cause harsh lighting and shadows. One solution is to cut the top off a milk bottle and slide it over the flash head. And this will act as a really cool makeshift uh, diffuser. And it will spread the light out. You get less shadows, more even light, all for you know the price of a, of a milk bottle, which they'll probably have lying about anyway. Yep, yep, never good tip, never good tip. Okay, got two left, got two left. So, uh, a cardboard snood. Another way to shape light on the cheap is to get a sheet of black A4, you know, that'll cost a couple of pence. Wrap it over your flash and create a DIY snood. And this, what this will do is create a very focused spot of flashlight. It, you know, we, the milk bottle was all about spreading it evenly. But if you want to get creative and really focus that light, the snood is what you want. I've done exactly the same thing before. I think I used... Um, Used uh, an old cereal box and cut that out and wrapped it around. So, Brilliant. yeah, very good, good tip. And the last one is some weights. If you, you know, most of us have some gym equipment lying about the floor. Uh, I know Higgsy does with the size of his guns. <laughs> um, if you do have some weights, uh, you know, the sort that slide onto a bar and you can, you know, do some curls or whatever. Um, these can be used to support light stands. So, or, or have you got like a man, you know, the Manfrotto tripods that mm. have that sort of 90 degree shifting column? Yeah. What I often do is I, you know, use that so that it comes up 90 degrees and that the camera's looking directly down on a subject. However, 
you know, as I mentioned about my Sigma lens, it can be quite heavy. And you do run the risk of the tripod toppling forward. Mm. So what I do is I grab a couple of these weights, slide it on the back of the centre column, and that just steadies everything up. Yeah. Alternatively, if you're using uh, a light stand, they can blow over as well. I've had that so yeah, many times. Yeah, they don't tend to be as stable as tripods, do they? No. And obviously, if you've got them extended to like a, a tall height as well, you know, yeah, they become even more kind of, uh, un- <laughs> I don't know, unstable. Yeah, exactly. Um, so all you need to do, if you're in the studio, get some weights, uh, and you can weigh these things down, and then there's the far less likely to topple over. Also, on location, I remember once uh, shooting under a, a railway bridge, and, you know, the, the light, stand, uh, light stand fell, so I, I had to learn my lesson. <laughs> I went and found some bricks mm. and just basically, you know, put some ballast on these light stands so they wouldn't uh, fall over. Yeah. Good stuff. So that is my top 10 photo gear that is in photo gear that can be used as photo Who gear. Who knew that there were so many random bits lying around most people's homes that you could use in your photo setup? That's pretty crazy. Exactly. And if the listeners have got any more and they want to share them, Remember to head over to facebook.com forward slash digital photo UK and uh, put your post on there and it'd be even better if you could put a picture up as well. Okay, so the October issue of Digital Photo is out now. This month, we've got a packed issue with some incredible features. Uh, we'll show, show you how to take your best ev- ever family portraits. And our free gift this month is a Star Trails generator, which I should explain a little bit more on. So we all love uh, shooting Star Trails, but you do have to stand out in the cold for at least an hour to capture the multiple files. With this generator, all you need to do is click one click of the mouse and it will replicate that look. Very cool indeed. Plus, there's over an hour of video uh, video lessons so you can up your Photoshop and Lightroom game and of course we've got our regular live action video where Higsey is out on location showing you how to shoot some uh, portraits yep All unfortunately good I didn't have my uh, milk bottle diffuser with me but um, <laughs> next time next yeah. time so if this sounds like something you want to get into head over to greatmagazines.co.uk forward slash dp and buy a mag Good stuff. Uh, okay, so we've got a Photoshop tool of the week, uh, Photoshop tip of the week, if you like. So this one is all about sharpening, and it uses the high pass filter, an area of Photoshop that some people never really look at, but it is does can do a brilliant job. Uh, before we do that, Higgs, you blew my mind the other day with a Photoshop <laughs> tip. You know which one it is? I know which one. Go yeah, for it. Yeah. Oh, see, you put me on the spot here because I can't think of the word for those three little dots in a row. What's that called? When you have three dots. Ellipsis. 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 Yeah. Ellipsis. Yeah. Right, okay. Now we've got that sorted, I can explain this tip to you. Go for it. So, um, I never realised that when you are in Photoshop and you click on the filters option and it brings up that whole list of different filters you can apply, different sharpening effects or blur effects and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. and you select one of them and you go down, there's a few more options to pick from, be it Unsharp Mask or whatever it may be, that there's a difference between the options where it just says the function of it um, and the options where it says unsharp mask or whatever it may be and then there's an ellipsis on the end yeah so you've got the three little dots that follow the the uh the option yes now i never realized but what that means is that once you select that option 
it's then going to bring up a menu and give you lots more options. Whereas if you pick one of the choices without the ellipsis on the end, it's an automatic action and as soon as you select it, the action's applied and you don't have any kind of control over how it's applied. So that's something to look out for in Photoshop that actually I learned the other day and I thought was quite interesting. So when you're choosing different filters and effects that you want to apply to your images, if you select one without an ellipsis, it's just going to apply it and you've got no control. Yeah. If you select one with an ellipsis, then the program's going to give you lots more options to kind of fine-tune it and tailor it to how you want. Do you know what? That, that, that blew my mind when you told me that. It's so simple. It's so obvious yeah. now that I know. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those little things, isn't it? It's just amazing how Photoshop is a program that you learn. You, you never stop learning. No. There's always something new to discover. Yeah. Okay, so back to the sharpening uh, technique. So all you do is duplicate your layer, which is Control-J or uh, Apple and J if you're using a Mac, head up to Filter, scroll down to Other, and select high pass. Uh, set the strength to around 12 pixels and click OK. And your screen will go like like a sort of silvery grey sort of colour. Uh, but don't worry, all you need to do is head over to the layers panel and change the blending mode from normal to either overlay or soft light. This will return all the normal colour, but it will give a sharpened effect. And it's a really great way to add a bit more sort of detail to your images. Good stuff. Okay, well, we're going to finish now because this is a bit of an, uh, a shorter podcast because Higgsy's about to rush out and head up to a secret venue yep. uh, to do another tutorial video, aren't you? I am indeed. I am indeed. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. Should, sh should, we, should we lift the lid just for our should, listeners? Okay. Should we tell them a little bit about it? Do you want to explain what you're doing? So I'm basically going to be heading to a music venue in Nottingham and I'm going to be shooting a live band tonight, which is something that you know I do quite often. Apart from this time, I'm bringing our videographer along with me and uh, I'm going to show the readers exactly what equipment I use and, and why and also some great techniques for getting some really um, dramatic and, and kind of sharp and well-exposed images uh, of, of, of live bands, which is actually something that's, that's quite challenging. You know, I can think of few other photographic subjects that are as challenging. Yep. You know, not only have you got these speedy subjects, these unpredictable subjects dancing and going around a stage and uh, refusing to stand still, but you've got three songs to capture these shots in, in pretty dark conditions. So... Um, I reckon if you can get music photography nailed, then uh, you'll be all right with just about anything. Great stuff. That's not the end of the announcements, because next week you have to stay tuned to the podcast because we'll be announcing a fantastic co competition when you can win one of this year's most hotly anticipated mm. cameras. Can't say anything more until next week, but trust us, you don't want to miss this episode. Okay, well, that's pretty much all we have time for now. We'll be back, as I say, at the same time next week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a show, and we'll see you next time. See you later.